Hello friends, welcome to this new episode of the podcast series MRCOG Briefing Verbatim Information. Today and subsequent episodes I'll be talking about MRCOG Part 3 exams. Well, before understanding MRCOG Part 3 exam, I would like to introduce you to the standard obstetrics care that's been provided in NHS and also make you familiar with certain terminologies. Well, NHS is National Health Services and it is the health services provided in UK free of cost to the people here. Overall, NHS includes a lot of different things, but mainly it is the GP practices, that is the general practitioner, and it has various trusts based on the individual region in UK, which are mainly the hospitals. Now, the health services of the hospitals could be providing a primary level care, a secondary level care, or a regional level care. The hospitals could be further divided into a district general hospital or a teaching hospital, which is mainly a university or a regional hospital. As far as obstetrics and gynecology is concerned, the care provided in this speciality could be divided into three. It could either be a consultant-led care, it could be a midwifery-led care, or it could be a shared care. Uh, Consultant-led care means it's mainly the doctors who are seeing the patient through her journey of pregnancy. Midwifery-led care is they're solely managed by the midwives. The midwives here are independent practitioners. We need to understand that. Or it could be a shared care. Like majority of patients here usually get shared care, which means they're seen or looked after both by the midwives in addition to the doctors whose input is taken at some point in their care. Overall, the pathways which a woman go through in obs and gynae could be a low risk or a high risk pathway. Now, when we say low risk and high risk, the number of visits based on their risk stratification that either a nulliparous or a multiparous woman would need is based on the NICE guideline. The various delivery options, which basically is the place of delivery for a low-risk woman could be either she could have a home birth or she could prefer a birth center-based delivery where they're solely looked after by the midwives or it could be a hospital-based delivery. For a high-risk woman, it's mainly hospital-based delivery. It's pertaining to the high-risk factors that they have. The list of the risk factors could actually be found in the NICE guidelines for antenatal care management. Now, overall, the doctor's role usually come in the management of high-risk pregnant women. Now, there's also something additional to this, which is important to understand. What are the different subspecialties or specialist clinics that are available in Obzenkaini? Well, all might not be available in every trust, but majority of them are usually present. So in terms of subspecialities, there is fetal medicine, maternal medicine, or high-risk obstetrics, reproductive medicine, or subfertility, and gynecology oncology, 
and urogynecology. Well, if we look into the specialist clinics, apart from the general obstetric clinic and a general gynae clinic, there could be things like vulval clinic, diabetes clinic, which again could be a part of maternal medicine and is usually a joint clinic with an obstetrician and a specialist input. Could be a rapid access clinic, which are usually clinics for the patients who are on two-week wait pathway. I hope you're all familiar with this two-week wait pathway. The patients who have some suspicion of malignancy or cancer and are awaiting investigation. There could be menopause clinic. There could be birth option clinic, especially for women who've had previous cesarean section or surgeries to decide whether they want to go down the route of a vaginal birth after cesarean or whether they would like to have a repeat elective cesarean. Then there's more that can be added to it. There could be FGM clinics, there could be a PREM prevention clinic, especially for women who have risk factors of premature deliveries and would have a cervical length monitoring. Now coming to outpatient procedure clinics. So there are certain procedures that can be done on outpatient basis. So there are special clinics for them, like colposcopy clinic, outpatient hysteroscopy clinic, valvoscopy and valval biopsy clinics. Now, if you look for from the operative point of view, the procedures can broadly be either a day case procedure, like most of the laparoscopic surgeries, or it could be an inpatient procedure like open surgeries for which patient requires stay in the hospital more than 24 hours. Well, usually in a specialist clinic, there are a few members involved. So there could be a specialist midwife or a nurse along with the doctors. And there could be a member of specialist from another branch of medicine. For example, in a diabetic clinic, we could have endocrinologist and we can have dietitians along with specialist diabetic nurses or specialist diabetic midwife. Another thing which I want to sort of give an idea about is what to expect on a usual labor ward on call. Who are the team members that you normally have? So from the doctor's point of view, you have the on-call doctor's team. That is a consultant on call a senior registrar or a middle grade registrar. They could either be the trainees who are ST67. They are they usually come under the senior registrar category or they could be middle grade registrars, which are anything from between ST3 to 5. So either of them could be on call. Then there are SHOs or house officers, which could either be a foundation year trainees could be your GP trainees or could be your ST1 and ST2 trainees. And usually we might have some medical student along with the team. The similar team holds for the anesthetist. There'll also be an on-call anesthesia team with you on labor ward, which will have a consultant on call, a registrar, again, could be a senior registrar or middle grade registrar. And you sometime might have a medical student. From midwifery team point of view, you have a midwife coordinator who's basically coordinating the whole labor ward. Now, usually the patient here receive one-to-one -one care. 
So based on number of delivery suites you have, you will have number of midwives. Sometimes you may have a bereavement midwife also available, especially to counsel in the cases of intrauterine fetal demise or for a woman undergoing a TOP, that is termination of pregnancy. Then along with that, you have healthcare assistants that are again to help the on-call team around. There's a theater team, which will usually include your scrub nurses and ODPs. And then there's the neonatal team on call, which usually work in the neonatology unit, but are available and are called up at the time of a delivery. Now, neonatal units can broadly be classified into level one, level two or level three. And this classification is based on the gestation age of the baby and how much they can salvage and care for. So level three means they could basically take care of a very preterm baby also. Now, as I said, there could be variation on the on-call team based on whether it's a daytime on-call team or a nighttime or a weekend on-call team. And also based on the staff availability, depends on an individual trust or hospital. Well, each on-call doctor, except for the medical student, usually have a bleep. And every bleep has a standard number through which they can be reached out. Overall, labor ward usually also has a buzzer system, which goes on when there's an emergency situation like PPA, shoulder dystocia, fetal deceleration, and things like that. And also there's an emergency bleep number, which goes out. Well, I think now with this background of information that I've given you, it'll be easy to move forward and understand more of how there is working in different clinical scenarios which is more important in your MRCUG part three exam setup. I think in the next episode, I'll be talking about the part three exam setup and what all the exam includes and how do we need to move forward preparing for the exam. Thank you.